Welcome to the Strategy Sherpa Show, a series of organic discussions between hosts David Chavez and a variety of notable business leaders centered around their most significant failures and how they handled those challenges so listeners can learn from their most teachable moments and apply the lessons to their organizations. Now, here's your host, David Chavez. Hey everyone, this is the Strategy Sherpa Show. This is David Chavez and we're just getting started. We have a great guest uh, today. We have Thomas and Sarah. We'll introduce him in just a second, but we wanted to start off with talking a little bit about our workshops um, that we have coming up. Um, one of the workshops we have coming up in November on the 9th of November in Phoenix is um, about accountability, how to get accountability back into your workplace and how to grow accountability. And that's with my partner, Kane Pekvic. And this is a live workshop that's all day long. You'll walk away with some really good understanding of accountability, why it's probably not happening, how to get it back on, in, on track, and how to hold people accountable in a way that's healthy and productive instead of negative. So if you want to check that out, um, go to assuredstrategy.com backslash events, and we, you can check that out. And then I want to talk about the other live workshop we have on December the 6th in Dallas, Texas. We're doing a uh, scaling up workshop. So um, if you're thinking about growing your company and you're maybe a little stuck or not getting the results exactly you're looking for, um, strongly suggest reading Scaling Up by Vern Harnish. We, I, I am a scaling up coach and um, very uh, prominent book in the mid-market community and very helpful at scaling and growing your company. So with those two live workshops, I just want to introduce those to you, and then let's get started and introduce Thomas. So, Thomas, welcome to the show. Morning, David. Hey. So I've known Thomas for quite a while, and I'll let Thomas introduce himself, but um, we met probably, gosh, I want to say it was probably about eight years ago, huh, Thomas? We were trying to figure that out not too long ago. Yes, about eight years. Okay, and we met... When um, Thomas was brought in as the chief credit officer of a bank that I think he arrived about the same time I did when we started helping the bank develop their strategy, the bank was in a little bit of a, um, a, in trouble and we turned it around and made it really profitable and then Thomas left because they sold the bank in the end. So uh, Thomas, why don't you tell them a little bit about that bank and then what you've done since then? Yeah, that's right. That bank was a turnaround situation. Uh, the CEO and the board brought me in as well as you to help uh, execute a successful turnaround. Um, and we were amazed at how quickly we were able to turn that bank around. And uh, frankly, I think uh, a big reason for that turnaround was focusing on culture first. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And one of the best things I think that you guys did at that time was um, really get core values into the company. The CEO really drove those core values. And I, I know you did had a pretty instrumental part because you were one of the top leaders in the company and you sat in a lot of strategy sessions and you really did an amazing job at bringing the culture into the bank. That's right. And, you know, it, it, you helped raise awareness uh, and connect the dots with my own background. Uh, as you know, one of the things I've done in the past 
is I helped close 780 failed banks for the USA government. And one of the things that I learned from that experience was how culture, uh, dysfunctional culture, can lead to a bank failure. Yeah, most definitely. And so by focusing on culture, that helped get us the right answer at that bank. Yeah, that's right. And, and, and it was probably what we I worked with you guys for about three, three and a half years and turned it around. You guys sold it for a good penny. So, yeah, we were very proud of the rapid turnaround, um, the, the strategy shift from being a real estate focused bank to helping businesses uh, served us well. And uh, the strategy worked and we delivered uh, record breaking profits. Yeah. So then about a year and a half after that ended. I get a phone call one day out of the blue, and why don't you share with everyone what, what the phone call was about? Well, David, this is the hardest thing I've done in my life. Um, even though I've done four prior startups, this one I'm working on now, we decided to launch a new bank. And I have to tell you, it's definitely the hardest thing I've ever done. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think, uh, uh, you know, it's sort of funny because the same things that make an entrepreneur great getting a a company off the ground are the same things that stop it from growing later on. And these are two different skills entirely. And I think that you're starting, I think you've sort of learned by starting this bank that it's a lot different than uh, running a bank that's already has established operations at the time you walk in the door. Oh, much, much different. Well, I mean, of course, what's unique about banking is it's so heavily regulated. And as a former regular, you, you'd think I'd understand that. But it wasn't until I flipped sides from being a regulator to now actually trying to launch a bank that I really learned how difficult it was. Um, it was uh, it was a huge challenge. Yeah, and I like to tell the story, and and I I was hoping maybe you would tell it, but I'm gonna jump in and tell the story. So Thomas calls me out of the blue. I have we hadn't talked. I think we had talked one time in between there, and um, he calls me out of the blue and says, "Hey, I have an idea to start a bank." And you know, when I was sitting down thinking of the people I wanted to call, you were one of the people I wanted to call, and and. And I said, okay. And he goes, well, I'm, I'm looking for investors right now and looking for ideas on. And I, I, I just said to Thomas, I said, where do I send the check? <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. I, I have to admit, of all the people that I approached to raise money from, you jumped in uh, the quickest. So thank you. Well, well, I think that that was because we had worked together so closely for several years and really you know, I just knew who you were and knew what you did and knew the part you played in um, turning around the other bank, which was pretty instrumental because you were in a key pivotal role as the chief credit officer of cleaning up some of those real estate loans, getting getting those closed out, out and off your books, and then um, reestablishing the bank into the CNI side of it, the commercial and industrial side of it, and really getting... Um, like those customers in the door and the right customers, right? That was the really the uh, challenge for the bank. Well, well, David, as you know, building a culture uh, is all about building trust. And uh, as we, as you and I worked hard together for over, a th I guess, three and a half year period, we had built trust between us as well. So I think that's probably why we got to a yes so quickly there is we already had strong mutual respect and trust. 
Yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the bank right now? Because, you know, what we talk about on this show is, um, you know, and I like to remind the audience of this, you know, like this show is about mistakes we've made. And we're not doing this to point it out or rub it in um, people's nose. We're trying to do it. And you volunteered to come on this to share with people some of the pain that we've suffered starting and growing a company because a lot of times the articles are all centered around how successful I am or how great I am, but no one really talks about all the trials and the errors that you make. And so when people start businesses, they have this false sense that everything's going to go perfectly and everything's going to work out. And what we're trying to do is help them understand that's not true. But at the same time, these problems are really opportunities for growth and really help the business leader grow into the next level. So why don't you share a little bit about what your challenge was? Well, the first challenge was just the timing of when we launched the bank uh, during COVID. Uh, what really bothered me uh, during COVID uh, was I saw so many small businesses close and I really could not understand why the mid and the large size companies were doing fine. And I wanted to understand that. So I did some basic research and I found out that in the state of Arizona, which is where our bank is based, we rank dead last 50th out of 50 states in the rate of approval of loans to help small business. And part of the big reason why is we also rank last 50th out of 50 states in the number of local bank charters here in Phoenix. So that helped alert me that the challenges that small businesses were having in Phoenix were directly correlated to an acute shortage of banks. And having a banking background, I felt like I needed to uh, to step up. But But the real motivator for me, David, was when I look back on my own career, I realized that what lifted me up out of poverty was a series of small jobs that I had when I was younger. Uh, and I was the very first person in the family to get the opportunity to attend college, but I couldn't afford to go to college. So I started working at age nine, delivering newspapers at 4.30 in the morning before school. That was my first job. And the salary was zero. I only received compensation in the form of a gratuity, a tip, if the homeowner liked the service. <laughs> then at 16, I flipped hamburgers after school and weekends. That was the second job. And I was successful getting into Purdue University, which is in the state of Indiana. And what inspired me about Purdue was the first and last astronauts on the moon are Purdue graduates. So very strong in engineering and technology. But after the very first semester at Purdue, I ran out of money. So I walked to the edge of campus and I got a third a small business job at $5 an hour. And I worked full time and put myself through school. But the person who hired me was a former banker who resigned his job at a bank, launched his own small business. And initially he was a loan broker helping small businesses obtain loans. And then he became an MAI commercial real estate appraiser also helping people get loans using commercial real estate as collateral. So in three and a half years, I learned all about credit and lending and appraisal and helping banks uh, process loan transactions. So that actually prepared me well to get into the banking industry. So when COVID hit and I looked back on what lifted me out of poverty, what worried me 
was that all these small businesses that were closing, that those employees that were losing their jobs, they were going to miss out on the same opportunity that I had. Yeah, yeah. And and so 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 you did that. And then so you what 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 is the thing that really, um, you know, that 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 decided what made you decide to do the bank in general? That's what that's what I wanted to ask you. Well, because of my connection to small business, I really wanted to lift up and transform lives by launching a bank that's dedicated exclusively to helping small business. And in my research, if you add up all 4,600 banks in the United States, only 4% of their lending activity helps small business. So even though a large number of these banks claim to be business banks, the activity that they're engaged in doesn't really demonstrate that. So thus far, our bank has now been open uh, just over a year and nearly 100% of our lending activity has, in fact, helped small business. So that was the goal, to help small business. And, and the reason we chose that as our objective, our mission, David, is as these small businesses grow, they hire more employees, and that increased employment can lift people up and transform their lives. Yeah, most definitely. And, and, and that's the really exciting part about what you're doing I think um, I have a real, real passion for people who start businesses, start to grow them. And what often happens is as they start to grow into the next stage, which is the mid stage, which you're probably starting to enter in now, right? You, um, some problems really start creeping up. And we'll talk about a little bit of that when we um, come back from the break. But um, just wanted to uh, remind people um, about what we're doing here is we're trying to cover some of the things that we didn't do well, and then how did how did we fix these problems that we created um, through a decision that probably wasn't a good decision, but at the at the time it seemed like a great decision. So we'll come back right after the break, Thomas. Um, thank you very much for your introduction and getting to know a little bit about you, and we'll be right back after this. Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Hi, I'm Matt Liotta, CEO of Volato. Our vision at Volato is to change the private aviation industry by bringing innovative concepts that align our interests with our owners and customers. But what's really exciting about us is our JetShare program that allows you for the first time to have unlimited usage of a plane and obtain revenue share. Doesn't matter what size share you buy with us, you can use it as much or as little as you want and participate in all the, the revenue that that plane generates. 
Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to the Strategy Sherpa Show with David Chavez. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Hey, everybody. Uh, this is David Chavez, the Strategy Sherpa Show. And we have Thomas and Sarah on here, and we're talking to him about his, his decision so Thomas, like what we ask is on this show is what was the one of the decisions you made where it ended up being a big mistake for you? Well, David, um, a lot of startup businesses, people is the most valuable asset that you have. So the decision was how we decided to hire people and we decided to hire people on the basis of a sequence. Uh, what were their skills? Uh, how fast could we hire them? And were they a good cultural fit? And that sequence that we applied in the hiring process was the wrong sequence. Yeah, so so you applied the wrong sequence and get tell us what 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 the sequence was you were using. Well, I had to look back on the prior bank we were talking about about the importance of culture. and then it real I realized that it needs to be culture first. Uh, so the sequence should be, uh, is the person you're about to hire the right cultural fit? Then do they have the right skills? And then worry about speed of execution. Okay, so so tell us tell us a little bit about what happened when, um, when you applied it the wrong way. Well, I think uh, the, the greatest impact is in turnover. Uh -huh. uh, you, you, you learn that over time that the people you've hired really aren't fitting in with the culture, they aren't the right fit. Um, and, and turnaround, as you know, can be, can be quite expensive um, and it doesn't allow you to achieve all of your objectives because of that turnaround. Yeah, most definitely. I would say uh, turn turnover is a very big challenge. So you had a, you had turnover, um, and talk to us about like you said that it, this is a mistake. Um, so what did it cost you roughly? Um, well, I mean, the just the expense of having to hire people that don't work out, and then you have that additional expense, but also you're not able to serve your clients. You're not able to achieve your, your sales objectives. So there's a lot of adverse consequences uh, to the turnover. Yeah. Give us a little bit of context about how you discovered where you were at. So um, and why you made the decision you did to, to use the process you did and then how you ended up discovering it was maybe not the best process. Well, you know, first was was trying to learn the root cause and to rule out what it was and what it wasn't. And so we engaged a third-party consulting firm, and David, it was you. 
And one of the things that we wanted to rule out was, well, is there something wrong or toxic about our culture that's causing us to lose people? And so we surveyed our workforce and we found out that they really love working here and we have a special culture. And so once we knew that it really wasn't the culture, we started to zero in pretty quickly on our hiring process itself, how we were bringing those people on board. And we sat down with you and your team and we mapped out exactly how we were hiring people. And we asked ourselves some hard questions. Is that the optimal way of hiring or can we change this process in some way? And that's when we realized that the sequence that we had established was the wrong sequence. Yeah. And 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 I, I would like to talk a little bit about like you hired a lot of people with a lot of experience in your industry. And how did that impact everything? Well, that's a really interesting uh, and good question. So banking being so heavily regulated, the regulators expect you to hire people that are experienced in banking. And the presumption is because they know banking, they're more likely to follow the rules and do everything that's appropriate. But what's unique for our bank is that we're a disruptor bank. We, we've invented new things and new processes, new services. Um, and so the fact that people have prior banking experience is both a strength and a weakness. It's a strength from the standpoint of being able to comply with regulations, but it could be a weakness in terms of applying it uh, towards our uh, strategic objectives. So that's another reason why focusing on the experience and the skills of banking itself may not be as high as a priority because of our unique strategy. Yeah. And, and why don't you tell everyone what your strategy is? Because I think it's really interesting to sort of um, understand we hired bankers because the regulators wanted us to hire experienced people. And then we brought those people in and we just kept on getting the door slammed in our face and almost everything we were doing. Um, the culture you had was correct because when we did talk to the employees, they came back and said, no, a lot of us love working here. Yeah, there were some people who didn't love working there. Those were the people who were the wrong fit to begin with. But once we cl started cleaning that up and then we understood that the culture was right, um, we took a step back and asked what we really needed and what did we really need and why did we need that? Well, when we developed our strategy, David, uh, we looked at banking as an industry mm -hmm. um, and we view banking as a commodity. Uh, if you go on any bank website today, they all promote loans and deposits, and they all look pretty much the same. And when they hire their salespeople and their workforce, they're taught how to push loans and deposits. So they're pushing products. And in fact, what, what uh, we uh, as a management team dislike about the banking industry is they're often taught to push products, even if the customer doesn't really need those products. Yeah, most definitely. So we decided that we did not want to compete on the basis of products, and we wanted to reinvent banking. So we invented a new service. We actually call that service Integro 360, but it's a suite of services designed to do one thing, and that is to accelerate the growth of the small businesses. If we're successful at doing that, if we help these small businesses grow by partnering with them and providing these services, then it helps us achieve our mission because as they grow, they hire workers. And then that increased employment lifts people up and transform lives. 
Right. So, so what is Integro 360? Well, it's a suite of services to help them grow. Let me give you some examples. So we will ask business owners provocative questions like, what is the value of your business today? What is your exit strategy? What would you like your business to be valued at when you retire? And what are all the steps that you need to take to maximize your value creation? So to help answer some of those questions, we have built an electronic dashboard where each business owner can log in with a username and a password. And when they access their dashboard, one of the things that they can obtain is an updated business valuation to show what their business is worth today. We will also on this dashboard show the business owner how their company is performing financially and how that compares with their competitors. And we call that peer data. And they're amazed that they can get access to peer data, but what they love about it is they can instantly see their own strengths and weaknesses by comparing themselves with their competitors. And then finally, on this dashboard, we have invented an innovative toolbar that allows them to ask a question. If I make a change to my business, they can see a forecast of how that change would affect their cash flow, their profits, and their value creation. So it becomes a very important interactive tool to help them zero in on the things that they need to do to maximize profits and value creation. Yeah. And, and, and you know, um, I was talking about uh, scaling up a little earlier and, and Vern Harnish has this great quote. He's been one of our guests on our podcast here too. And it's one of my favorite quotes of all time. I love saying it. Revenue is van vanity. Profit is sanity. Cash flow is king. And what this is doing is it's taking care of those two things that are really critical, but all three of those elements inside of this valuation software. So my background as a CPA, I was a valuation guy for years. I've done over 100 equity deals in my time, buying and selling companies and helping businesses learn about valuation because a little unknown fact to most business owners, 80% of the businesses out there are never sold. 80%. And that's where you come in and you are like, how do we help some of those people bridge the gaps of their financial needs? They have strategic objectives they need money for so they can get over a hump of some kind. That's where you're focusing your energy and you're focusing on increasing the uh, lending the money so they can increase their value. In other words, making the money available that, to them so that th that it costs them less to borrow it than the return they're going to get from doing what they're doing, right? And that's where you're really centering the software and trying to help them understand some of the things that they could do to actually scale their company. That's right. You know, many, many business owners intuitively know that they want to grow and they want to get bigger. But a lot of them may not realize that cash flow becomes critically important to support that growth. Um, and then some of them lose sight of why they're growing. Are they growing just for the, the sake of getting bigger? Or are they growing because they want to influence a bigger exit, a, a bigger value creation? And so this helps bring discipline back to that business owner so they can get better results. Yeah, that's great. And then they can start to scale. And that's where we come in at Assured Strategy. I mean, um, 
Um, we have companies that when they get up to about five million, they're starting to they're starting to level off, and the growth isn't as strong as they were. And we come in and we help them realize that the things that they did to start this company off, and same issues you've had starting a bank off aren't the same issues to take it to the next level. And that's what you're going through some of that transition right now from a small bank to a more of a smaller mid-sized bank, I guess, you know, because I, I want to classify that you're still a small bank, but you're starting to experience some of those problems because you're starting to grow your staff. You're starting to get some traction in the community and all these things. And that's what we really help with. And, you know, um, like trying to explain it to clients, what assured strategy really does. It's like, what do you need to do to fix your company and to really get it ready to scale? And how do I stay involved in the company without micromanaging every little thing? And that's what we really help with is making that transition. And one of the great things about working with us at Assured Strategy, and I'm doing a little bit of a commercial right now, is that we offer a three time, uh, uh, you know, we say that if you're not going to get three times return on your investment and you can't see that right after you start working with us 90 days later, we want you to stick with it for 90 days. If you can't see that, you just let us know and we give you all your money back, right? Because we figure that if we made a mistake of trying to help you when you didn't need our help or we're not doing our jobs helping you and you're starting to see some return on that investment then we're probably not going to get you a return on your investment. You should hold us accountable to that. So Thomas, let's take it into break. And, um, and, and I appreciate what you've talked about some, so far. And then um, let's talk uh, when we come back about what people need to do so they never have this issue, right? So they can really just not have this issue altogether because there's a lot of small business owners out there listening. Strategy Sherpa Show, this is David Chavez. I got to remember my own name here and, um, and, and we'll be right back after this, these messages. Thank you. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Anyone can learn the keys to success from podcasts, TED Talks, and other forms of media. But what you really don't learn is the failures that lead up to that point. Join David Chavez on the Strategy Sherpa Show as he and notable business leaders have that discussion and teach you how valuable it is to learn from your failures. The Strategy Sherpa Show, Mondays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. 
You have a message. You want to share that message. You want it to be social, to go viral, and spread across the planet. But how do you get started? Tune in to Amplify, featuring host Ken Roshan. This show is here to help you take that message and channel it through the most effective marketing techniques to not only be successful, but have a positive impact on the world. Tune in live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel and get amplified when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network welcome back to the strategy sherpa show with david chavez have a question for david or his guests join us on the show at 866-472-5790 that's 866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Hey, everyone. This is David Chavez back uh, with Thomas and Sarah. I just wanted to remind you of a couple of events we have coming up in the next few weeks. Um, we have one on, on processes um, and about inefficiencies and processes. And that's on October 19th from... One of our new members, um, Coach Preston Law, and actually Preston and I have worked together. He was actually the, the person who led all the projects inside of one of the companies I worked with for quite a while, and a really amazing process guy, and he's uh, doing one of his first webinars with us. And then um, we have uh, my partner, Kane, is doing um, a, little, a small webinar on accountability, and That'll really outline what she's going to do on November the 9th and give you a little overview about the accountability and what's what's going on inside of your company. So, Thomas, let's come back to you, because it's like one of the things we, we like to talk about on the show is like after we talk about the problem and how we did some silliness and then we brought it back and we got our company back in tra on track. Um, what would you recommend to people about? You know, the problem for you was, is that you um, had the culture part probably close to right. But what I actually needed in the bank was a little off. So what, what would you tell people when they're designing their HR system for hiring people, if you will? Um, I guess I would advise them to uh, never lose sight of the fact that culture is the most important thing in your organization. So your hiring practices should be centered around attracting the type of people that not necessarily are the most skilled, but are likely to be the best cultural fit. Like in our case, as an example, to illustrate what I'm talking about, we didn't just need bankers. We needed to have bankers that were willing to accept and be part of a really important culture that we developed at this bank. So not all bankers would fit in that culture. Yeah, and so 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 you um, you realize that just having bankers doesn't make them necessarily a culture fit, and then you also realize a little bit about bankers' experience, right? Um, so, what's a traditional banker's experience? Well, that's essentially that they've worked at another financial institution in the role that we're interested in hiring them for. Um, at a startup bank, uh, we don't really have the time. To, to train people from scratch. Right. 
Uh, we're resource challenged. So we need people on day one who can come in and, and hit the ground running and have an immediate impact. So optimally, these are people that are seasoned in banking. They understand banking. But again, not just bankers. They have to be able to fit in with the culture and the team that we've assembled here. Yeah, and I think one of the things that um, you and I, when we were talking once about this, I think that one of the challenges really was is that these bankers were coming in with a banker mentality, right? And you're not, and you're trying to help the bankers understand that we're in the valuation game with the customers, and and, and we're not just in the banking game. Yeah, that's a really important distinction for our company. So again, in the banking industry, bankers are taught how to push loans and deposits. They're selling a product, but we're not selling a product. We're introducing our uh, prospects and clients to tools to help them grow their business. So it's it's a consultative uh, interaction and a, and a relationship-based approach. Now, some bankers are able to make that transition from being product sellers to being consultative sales and advisors. And some bankers are not able to make that transition. Right. And so that was a little bit of your challenge, right? Because some of these bankers came in the mentality of, look, I just got to go get loans. And we're not, we don't want to just give small business people loans because that's not always helpful. That That's right. I mean, pushing a loan on a client that doesn't really need a loan doesn't help them. It doesn't help us. So it's really about understanding where is this business in their growth cycle? What specific needs do they have and how might we be able to help them? And it's the tools that we have that do that. So some bankers can adapt to that. In fact, one of the most important tools we discovered, David, is the DISC assessment tools. And again, yeah. this is another service that your firm supplies really understanding that person as an individual, their motivators, what makes them tick, it helps us make a better informed decision as to whether they're more likely to fit in with our culture and make this transition from being a product salesperson to being a consultant. Yeah, and, and you're bringing up DISC, which DISC is a behavioral assessment, right? And we actually do use three assessments. We use a behavioral one, which is DISC, and then we use the values index, which is your motivations. And then we actually use the attribute index, which is the way you think and the way you process information. And why we use these assessments is so people can have get more self-awareness, right? Because self-awareness is the real key to change, mm -hmm. right? And, and a lot of times people will say they're good at change but they're not really good at change. And this is where a lot of business owners get a little frustrated at times is because they want the change to take place in their company, but it's not taking place and they can't understand why. I would tell you probably that one of the most important things is culture, right? And I, I know I won't get an argument from you. And, um, you know, and like core values are a really important part of that, right? So what are the core values of the company? And then how do I show up as an individual? What are some of my strengths and weaknesses? How do I stay out of my weakness areas? And how do I stay in my strengths so I can provide the maximum benefit to my, to the team that I'm, I'm working with? Yeah. Um, some leaders uh, may not be aware that a lot of people have blind spots, things that they're not consciously aware of. 
And you're right, the DISC assessment helps raise awareness to people's strengths and weaknesses and potentially some of their blind spots. And so we use these not only as a tool in our hiring process, but actually to help make us a more effective team. Yeah, so like when you're having a conversation or you're having two of the team members that are engaged in a disagreement, we use them to help understand what what's motivating them, the way that they think, and so that we can help them see things from a different perspective, if you will, right? That's right. Right. And it's really important for us to understand how powerful this stuff is. We see things from our lens, which is is only a small part of what's actually happening. Right. Because there's often other circumstances that are going on. And what these what these tools are doing is lowering our defense wall that we put around ourselves when we feel attacked or when we feel like we're not um, able to speak our mind, things like that. So we use these to lower that wall so that all of us can start to see what each other is seeing and that better information lends for better decisions all the way around. That's right. That's right. Yeah. All right. Very good. So, so Thomas, why don't you tell us a little bit about what your plans are for the bank? You're in the Phoenix area. Um, what markets do you serve? Well, even though we're based in Phoenix, uh, we actually are able to serve clients in uh, Southern California, uh, Nevada, uh, as well as Arizona, uh, and uh, and about 20% of our business uh, is national. So uh, we have ambitions uh, over the, the next several years as we grow as a bank to eventually become national and at some point uh, even becoming uh, publicly traded. Yeah, so so you're a small, you probably only have one branch ever. Um, that's sort of like the model that you're following. Um, you do have a physical branch in Phoenix. What part of Phoenix are you in? Well, we're in North uh, Phoenix. Okay, in North Phoenix, and and and, um, and so you're 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 probably only going to have one, but you you have plans to grow this nationally and take it public. Then, yeah, the technology that we invested in. Uh, allows people to open accounts uh, over the internet. They can use their phone, their laptop, their computer. Uh, so there's really no need for people to physically come into a branch anymore. In fact, most people don't. They bank electronically. And so we've uh, invested in the technology to be able to serve clients nationally through through that technology. Yeah, but you guys have a cool little branch there because you didn't make um, – so like when when I first walked into the place and it was still like a little bit of a shell – um, you guys didn't make this a traditional bank branch. No, we did not. Um, we have uh, invested in what we call our uh, Integro Bank CEO Club. Uh, and and the, the purpose of the CEO Club is to create an environment where we can draw in business owners. We, we've had as many as 50 to 300 uh, people attend our events. Uh, we bring in a prominent speaker. It's usually a, a CEO of a successful business, and they can share their story of how they grew their business and what their challenges were. Um, and then after the speaking event, it's a networking event. So they get a chance to meet business owners, CEOs, CFOs, high-level executives. And you'd be surprised on what you can learn, even from businesses in a totally different industry. Yeah, yeah, and and you've had some pretty amazing speakers. I've I've had the pleasure of being there a couple of times for these events, 
It's a really powerful event. Who do you have coming up? Do you know who you have coming up next? I think there's one coming up pretty soon, right? Yes. On Thursday, October 12th, uh, here at our main office in Phoenix, um, we've partnered with uh, a couple nonprofits here in the uh, in the Valley, and we're it's a it's a celebration of small business, uh, and so we have a panel discussion lined up uh, to talk about uh, small business. All right, great, and and, and so um, that's this Thursday at the bank. So if you're in Phoenix and you're interested in learning a little bit more about this, you can just get a hold of how how can they get a hold of you, Thomas? This. They can go to integro.bank um, and look up the CEO club um, and you'll see um, reference to uh, the CEO club event. Uh, and we'd love for you to join us. Yeah. Uh, and, and you have to, there are criteria to join. So you might want to take a look at that. Um, and if you don't meet all of them, just give them a call because they, they, they try to make sure they get uh, um, people who are interested in coming. You may not be able to jo join the CEO club. Or maybe because um, you don't fully qualify, but you could come to a couple of events while you're waiting to qualify, and then maybe the bank can help you a little bit with that. So, so um, Thomas, um, what's after that one? When's the next one after that? Well, we have these events uh, monthly. Okay. So, so the next one is about a month later. Yeah. The easiest thing to do is on LinkedIn is just track our company, and we're constantly announcing the events and the speakers, and we mix it up, different topics the theme is uh, ideas to help you grow your business. Okay, great. All right, so we have some ideas to help you grow your business. This is David Chavez with the Strategy Sherpa Show. I'm here with Thomas and Sarah, the CEO of Integro uh, Bank out of Phoenix. And um, we're having a conversation of how they mixed up a little bit when they um, started this off and and um, didn't get didn't get the hiring perfectly correct, and they it had took them a little bit of time to get it back on track. So we'll talk a little bit more to Thomas right after the break. A little birdie told me Voice America is on Twitter. Follow us at Voice America TRN. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Hi, I'm Matt Liotta, CEO of Volato. Our vision at Volato is to change the private aviation industry by bringing innovative concepts that align our interests with our owners and customers. But what's really exciting about us is our JetShare program 
that allows you for the first time to have unlimited usage of a plane and obtain revenue share. Doesn't matter what size share you buy with us, you can use it as much or as little as you want and participate in all of the, the revenue that that plane generates. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Welcome back to the Strategy Sherpa Show with David Chavez. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Hey, everyone. Back to the Strategy Sherpa Show. I'm with Thomas and Sarah. This is David Chavez. We're talking about... A, a mistake of maybe focusing on the wrong things when we started uh, started hiring. Um, um, Thomas shared with us how he um, turned that around. And Thomas, we like to talk about the results of these turnaround situations. So, so what did you do to turn it around? You hired us to help you, but but there was a lot of stuff you guys did internally too. It wasn't just up. We came in and helped you structure everything and get it down. But it's a lot of the work on the leader's part. So what did you guys do to turn it around? And then what's the results you've had since then? Because it's been about six months, seven months now. And what's happened? Well, we did things like apply the DISC assessment to the entire workforce. Uh, we evaluated not just the new hires, but all the existing employees. Um, and as a result, some employees realized that they weren't an optimal fit and they self-selected out. Uh, but the performance has notably improved, David. Uh, let me give you the context first and then give you the results. So as interest rates have increased in the United States, the banking industry is troubled. Um, there's um, 4,600 banks. They're facing about a trillion dollars in losses from the investments that they've made in long-term bonds and securities. We don't have any of those exposures because we didn't make those investments. And then the second problem banks have is they have these huge loan portfolios that were originally, um, they had loans that were three, 4% interest. And those loans are now coming due and they're realizing a lot of those borrowers are not able to afford rates that are double or triple those rates. So now banks are starting to experience some credit challenges. So as a result, in our industry, many banks have either stopped lending entirely or significantly restricted lending. And so what we're hearing from our small business customers is they still need help, but they're having a very difficult time finding banks that can help them. Well, not only did we address the challenge that you spoke of, but we just had a record-breaking quarter. So we're growing at a pretty rapid pace and we're actively making loans. And it's primarily because we don't have the challenges that the other banks have right now. And we were able to fix those challenges. Yeah. So, so you fix the challenges, then um, you were in a unique position in the market at a unique time. And um, so the, the, like um, Silicon Valley bank went under which caused a little bit of ripple in the banking industry. Then I think there was another bank that went under, and I can't remember the name off the top of my head. And then um, that 
caused a lot of concern. And, and that's as the interest rates are going up because of inflation, which banks had 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 loans that were probably two or three percent. And now the interest rates are seven and eight percent on some of these very loans. They're still stuck earning two percent, but they're having to pay out on deposits and things like that, maybe two or three percent. So there's no gain for them at all. And they're actually losing money, but you don't have that problem because you didn't start off with a whole bunch of loans at two, three percent. So you're able to make the loans at current market value, and that's helped you out significantly. So being in the right place also at the right time sort of helped, but also really fixing the culture issues. Because if you didn't fix those culture issues, you can't find the customers to come in, right? That's true. Yeah. Well, and interestingly, three years ago, when we wrote our business plan and submitted it to regulators, we said that we thought interest rates would rise, there would be a recession, and there would be increased bank failures. So we prepared for all of this. And we feel that a lot of the banks have lost the trust of the public. So we wanted to restore that. So we put integrity as the first part of our name. And then we added our mission, growth. And we just combined integrity and growth. And that's how we got Integro. So when businesses see our bank, they can see that we're a completely different bank. We're focused on providing services to help them grow rather than pushing products. And that strategy is serving us well. Yeah. So if you're a business owner, no matter where you're at, and you want to get on and you want to check out like your valuation, get on and, and, and grow and actually um, do the valuation exercise. I mean, they can they get on and do it without not being a customer? Yeah, it's complimentary. In fact, we'll give you your first valuation for free. And in fact, once you sign up as a client, all of those tools that I described are complimentary once you become a client. So the first one is free for everybody. Um, and then as you become a client, you can get access to an unlimited number of business valuation forecasts and peer data. Yeah, and, and and I would tell you that some of that data costs quite a bit of money to get a hold of. So you guys are offering that service for free for your customers, which really separates you a lot from what you're doing. And being a valuation guy for years, um, I under I know that there's some really key elements about um, strategy and growth and how the business is ran that really makes valuation increase. And what you're gonna do is use the financial information to help them understand some of the levers that are really putting profitability into that bank, um, that business. Yeah, you know, you might remember, David, we attended a uh, leadership conference at Harvard recently. Uh -huh. And Vern and others were telling a story about how a lot of, uh, business owners make one common mistake as they grow their business. Yeah. They'll sell to a private equity firm, and then that private equity firm will quadruple the value of the business in a short period of time. Why not consider as a business owner realizing that value increase while you're there? And so these tools help you do a better job of seeing what your potential is, where you're currently at, and the things that you need to do to get there. Yeah, and I'm so glad you brought that up. I mean, I I I I that had left my mind, but at the same time, that's exactly what happens a lot of times. And when I was doing this as a CPA, I was actually helping the, these people close the deals out. 
And we would go off and two years, three years later, we're selling the business for four times what we bought it for. And what did we do? We made the changes the business owner already knew needed to be made, but didn't have the gumption to make those changes, right? And invest in what needed to happen. And where it comes, I see mostly is, is that our ego gets in front of us and we think we got it all under control. I think most business owners think that they're going to sell their business when 80% don't ever sell. Um, and then they think that they're going to retire off of that when if they're not paying attention to valuation, you can't increase the value of something you're not paying attention to. Yeah. So these tools are really valuable for a business owner or a controller or a CFO who's inquisitive. They're constantly asking, what can we do differently to either improve cash flow, profits, or the value of the business? And these tools will help you zero in exactly on that. Yeah, Thomas, um, you know, I always I, I love working with you. We've become good friends over the years. And um, and I, I, I can tell you, I love your story about where you came from. And I don't I don't think I've ever told you, but I've heard your story a couple of times because you've been telling it because you have this new bank and everything. But I also started in the paper out business, which we could start and we can have that conversation sometime. And um, but I wanted to thank you for being on the show today and sharing some of your wisdom. Um, I've learned a lot from you. Uh, I, I, I um, and I have a lot of respect for what you're doing at the bank. And just it's been an honor being involved in it and being an investor in it also. So. Yes, thank you for being an early investor and for your support. And uh, no, I didn't realize you were also uh, delivery of uh, newspapers when you were when you were younger. I think something like seventy percent of the investors in the bank were former newspaper boys. So <laughs> we have that in common. That's right. That's it. That we we did come from uh, silver spoons in the mouth. We just started, uh, you know, doing it as we can. All right. Have a great day. This is Strategy Sherpa Show. Thank you for joining us. And we're signing off. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of the Strategy Sherpa Show with David Chavez. We hope we've given you some insight into the journey of success and how the road to success is laid with bricks of failure. Tune in next week for another inspiring episode.